Hello and welcome to episode 32 of Yagmoth Soap Opera, the classic-related podcast brought to you, the community. I'm Andy, and I'm joined by our regular co-hosts, George and Zach. Uh, sadly, no events are fired this week, so we're going to have to uh, think on our feet and bring you something different. We're going to have a look at some deck techs, have a look at what we think are the top ten cards in classic format right now, and generally muse about anything exciting that's happening in, in the world of classic. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank our sponsors, mtgotraders.com, and our hosts, puremtgo.com. And without further ado, we're going to jump in with a, a deck tech set, um, breakout session from George Wificus Penguin. Hey, everybody. Um, so the other week I was trying to build a different kind of fish deck. And the reason I really wanted to play it was Ninja of the Deep Hours. And I know, that sounds terrible, but I just could not get my head out of Ninja of the Deep Hours. Um, and I wanted to build it for a workshop creature metagame. And this is what I came up with. Uh, I was talking with no one in the client, and he said something about Green Sun Zenith, and I was like, oh man, Green Sun Zenith for Dire Arbor on turn one would be pretty saucy. And it looks a lot like a legacy deck, but I feel like it might be pretty good. I'm missing a few of the cards, so I haven't uh, played with it yet. What do you What do you guys think? Um, I'm kind of just going over it right now. So, Andy, go ahead and give your opinion first, bro. Yeah, well, I, I'm I'm looking at it as well and uh, trying to really kind of get my head around the list. So maybe I'll talk about some of the cards that are in it and uh, give the audience a flavor for what the deck's doing. Um, so it's got some acceleration on turn one with uh, Noble Hierarch to 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 ram some mana. And then it goes into the, the almighty Tarmogoyf. Um, there's Grim Lava Mancer there, presumably taking aim at the, the fish decks. Um, bit sour of temptation there to go and steal maybe a Lodestone Golem or something spicy out of shop or, um, and then we've got Lightning Bolt, which, um, we've discussed, uh, at length recently on the podcast as being really prevalent and really useful in the current environment. There's, um, Force of Will and uh, Mental Misstep as a control package. And another card that I really like main deck um, with the control package is, is a Null. And uh, George managed to squeeze uh, three copies into that. And I think given the, uh, the metagame of Oath and Workshop, that's a, that's a great card to be seeing uh, in, in the main deck. And uh, the, the land package uh, runs, runs Wasteland and um, Stripmind to have a little bit more disruption. And then a suite of uh, fetch lands and, and dual lands to give the, the mana access required. And uh, as George said, you've got the, um, the Green Sun Zenith, which really sits as a center pin to the deck and enables you to go and find the most appropriate answer to the, to the opponent's game plan and, and to really get the beats on early. So, um, yeah, I, I, I see where you're going with this, George. Um, it's difficult to really have a feel for the, this type of deck without, without playing it. Um, I, I can see that the, the creatures in it are, are pretty pretty powerful compared with some of the creatures in um, other other fish-based decks, and and you've got that disruption package as well. Um, I, I kind of uh, feel feel like it's a little bit of a, a mismatch there in in terms of um, maybe the illusions deck is a little bit more powerful in, in doing what it does, and then the kind of traditional. Um, fish decks with the hate bears are a little bit more structured and streamlined in doing what they do best, which is disrupting your opponent's uh, game-winning strategy. And the, the sideboard there um, seems to be kind of um, spread evenly against uh, the big beasts of the format, but, but mostly um, a lot of hate there for, for Dredge. I guess this type of deck really has no... Uh, no game against Dredge without bringing in those sideboard packages. So um, that's what the deck does. Um, 
and uh, we'll hand over to Zach to see if he's got more of an insight into in, into how it's going to play out. Yeah, I'll say the game. The deck actually has a little more game against dredge than what you're giving it for. It has with the Green Sun Zenith and the Scavenging Ooze. It has a four pack of Scavenging Oozes. It also has two Grim Lava Mancers that, while they look innocuous, they can ping one of your other creatures and kill all the bridge from belows. They can deal with Icarids in a pinch. It's it's actually okay against dredge, at least more so than some other decks. Um, some of the things I really don't like about the deck is the fact that it really doesn't have any creatures that will deal with enchantments and artifacts off the top, which, I mean, it has Trigon Predator, but I, in my opinion, it's a little bit slow against, like, Oath and stuff like that. Uh, Jiraga Tree Speaker looks absolutely out of place, and I think that should totally be one of the, uh, what's the guy's name from, uh, Darksteel Block, the two-man uh, elf? Uh... The, the elf that can sack for two. Exactly. I think he'd be much better in that spot because he also beats. And do you really want to sit there and level up a tree speaker that's just going to add two green mana? I mean, I don't, I don't think it's going to do a bunch for you. It does. It, it's it's a tutorable soul ring against workshop decks. Oh, okay. I mean, the, the only thing is... That's, that's the reason he's in there. The only thing is, like, in, in that scenario, I'd almost rather have a noble hierarch because that's really just a fifth noble hierarch if you look at it like that. Uh, yeah, it produces one more mana, but it also doesn't help all your other guys, and it also doesn't produce other colors. Um, I, just personally, I don't, I don't like that guy that much. I mean, I play with him a lot in Limited, and I think even in Limited, in the wrong deck, he's, like, just playable. Um, Eldrick, the, the other thing I was thinking about is, you have a lot of, uh, what's it called, Exalted here, with the Noble Hierarchs, and that kind of works against Edric. Spymaster of Trust, because you only want one guy attacking, and with Edric, no Edric. Well, the the noble hierarchs stop giving a bonus, but Edric gives you a card for every guy that connects. Yeah, but your nobles won't connect if you have more than one attacking. So it almost makes it like a little bit of anti synergy. I don't know if that would. You know what well, I'm saying? I mean, I, I don't see you having a ton of creatures on the board. You're running 18 total, so you know. Yeah, it's a little it's a little creature light. Um. It was an idea. It's obviously I said I haven't tested it yet, but this is like the kind of framework of how I usually start to try and build decks. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll tell you, I really like the Green Sun Zenith. The only thing is, in Legacy, the Dryad Arbor is a great first turn play. Um, the reason it's so good in Legacy is not just the tempo advantage because you know cards like Mental Mestap will take care of that, but also because. Uh, Dryad Arbor is a creature land, and you, you're you one of the few people in Classic who tan can take advantage of that fact, because Tarmogoyf, that's a, that's a two-card type uh, permanent, and that immediately makes Tarmogoyf a 2-3 if that goes to the bin. So, you, you have some cool stuff. I really like the Grim Lava Mancers for the fish matchups. It seems like, I mean, that would be one of your best trump cards. Um... Yeah, uh, that and possibly the, the ooze. I feel like Sower of Temptations would be pretty boss in a fish matchup, though. Yeah, Sowers look pretty good. The only thing I don't like about Sowers is they're not fetchable. Um, they're, they're not green. I, I See, the other thing about your sideboard, the one card that you're missing, can you think about the one green card that I'm going to say you're missing? Um... Uh, <laughs> don't say natural order because that thing's seventy bucks. No, blank the last blank. 
Run the last troll, you think so? Absolutely. That card. Right. You play a gush deck with that, they're just like, oh crap, I better go off soon. I you would play... definitely jam a Thrun in my deck. Thrun is a boss, especially with the Green Sun Zenith. I find it hilarious that you're saying Thrun is boss in a classic deck after the way you talked about it when I said it was good in the review. Dude, all I gotta say is remember that remember that DE that I moneyed with uh, Exploderator? Yep. Those were epic matches only because he had Thrun. And my only outs to that bad boy were balances. Those were epic. That was Blazelix, I believe, back in the day. And, and was, he he put those in there because I challenged uh, him too. I'm telling you, dude, those things were those things were bought. So I, I like the deck. I'd like to see what happens with it. I think uh, another option for you would be like uh, Fire and Ice or something like that. Um, yeah, I've recently started trying Fire and Ice in my um, four color control deck, and it's working pretty well because you can't mental misstep it. Yeah, I, I, I like it. So, uh, next we've got Grim Long, as yeah, drawn so, up by Andy. <laughs> well, hardly drawn out by, by me, I guess. Um, so, this is a deck that I put together really for some fun times in the tournament practice room, rather than being kind of uh, a classic tournament viable deck. Um, the, the history of it really stems back to, uh, to vintage, um, where um, burning, burning uh, long decks were... Um, Really, very, very strong in the format. They used to run uh, Burning Wish and uh, Lion's Eye Diamond, and uh, Yagmoth's Will at this time used to sit in the sideboard. So you would, uh, you'd be able to go really busted, and then Burning Wish for the Yagmoth's Will. So basically, increase the number that you had. But you also have the Lion's Eye Diamonds. Anyway, the deck evolved, and uh, one of the iterations that it finally got to was was Grimlong, uh, which was a card which tried to abuse the the Portal Tutor, Grim Tutor, which enables you to search for a card, put it into your hand. And then shuffle your library and you lose three life. So it's, uh, it's like a really bad demonic tutor. Um, it costs you one extra black mana and it costs you three life. But you do get that card straight into your hand. And really at the heart of this deck, it's, um, a Tendrils of Agony based combo deck. The only way to really, to win is, um, to, to cast that game winning, um, card from, from, um, Onslaught block, um, which enables you to, to storm your opponent to death for two per storm copy. And the way that it builds up that critical storm mass is through Dark Ritual and, and uh, Cable Ritual. Um, and it does this by using a, um, a whole heap of draw seven spells. Um, memory Jar, um, tip, sometimes Windfall, it's not in this particular list. Um, Wheel of Fortune. Um, and then you've also got some really powerful draw effects in the form of Yagmoth Sparging and Necropotence and if none of that works then you've got the strategy of Mind's Desire where you can string together multiple uh, draw seven cards once you've flipped over a few from the Mind's Desire. So it's basically a deck which takes all of the busted cards from Classic and sort of chucks them all together in, in, in a brew and it's worth mentioning in it, it slipped my mind um, that the Memory Jar and Windfall are both unrestricted in Classic so you can run them as a four times or multiple copies. So this current iteration of the deck has got three Memory Jars and there's nothing wrong with getting out a very quick Memory Jar and then passing the turn and then on your upkeep cracking the jar, drawing your card for the turn and then hopefully going all in. 
Um, you've you've got the um, the amazing play of Dark Ritual on into Necropotence on turn one, which is a an old favourite of mine. Absolutely love doing that. And from there again, you can draw out your deck. Once you get going with the draw sevens, you're really relying on seeing um, Lotus Petals um, to to kind of get the extra mana going in the turn and. That's just really how the deck ticks. Um, it's great fun. Get to play a lot of broken, busted spells, and I, I just really having some fun with it. The the spirit guides are pretty cool. Um, they enable you to do some uh, pretty busted things as well. So um, that's the deck. I don't know if any of you guys have got any comments or whether you uh, find this kind of deck interesting or, or whether we should just move on. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this. I've played against this deck a lot. We played, what, what did you say, like five or six games yesterday? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, you know what I'll say about this deck, and, and, and Andy kind of has a nod to it here. It is. It looks like a super fun deck to play. And s- multiple times during the day, I'm like, really, you're going to use all those resources? And bam, he'd draw seven. And I'm sitting there going, oh, well, okay, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just dead. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's it's really a neat idea, and I like the iteration a lot, but you can also see one thing that this deck is super susceptible to. The Andy has a nod to it right there in the main deck, running two mental missteps. Any kind of counter magic against this deck is a backbreaker. I mean, it just is a backbreaker. Yeah, he's running some disruption with the Cabal Therapies and the mental misstep, but if Andy uses all those resources and goes for a draw seven, or he goes for... Uh, you know, gets six mana and goes for a Yogg Bargain or something like that, and it gets countered, it loses a lot of steam. So I think the deck is really cool. It just has to find a way to be more resilient. Um, you think that's fair, Andy? Um, yeah, I think I think that it's a deck that you do really kind of need a little bit of practice with. And I know in the games I played against you, I, I made quite a lot of play mistakes and that's due to my ability as a pilot in general but also due to my lack of practice with the deck so I think in, in a more capable pilot's hands after a bit more practice I think I think there can be some tighter plays which will give this deck a little bit more of an oomph um, but that said I, I don't know if it can ever be competitive without the without the Black Lotus the Time Walk and the Ancestral Recall which really and, and the, obviously the Moxon which make the deck really tick in, in classic but in vintage but even then it's it's fallen out of favour it's um, it was a, a really powerful deck back in sort of 2004-2005 um, but obviously the new, new card innovations and the way things have moved forward um, it's maybe not as uh, not as viable as it once was but it's it's great fun and it's a good way to, to say play all these busted cards and I, I just love uh, storming out a mind's desire or dropping a turn one necro oh. I mean there's just some great great it, fun it, times you have some ridiculous plays with this thing but uh, I mean I hope I don't come across as saying that I, I think it gets countered in the first part. What I mean is now, a draw seven is so dangerous. Because every time you gave it to me, I'm like, man, hope I get a force of will. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, both that's, sides get the seven. So That's uh, why this deck pretty much fell out of favor once they lost Burning Wish. Because that, that, you know, giving the other guy seven cards is a big deal, because now with Mental Misstep and those two cards, yeah, you're, you might get a discard spell, but who said he's not getting three blue cards with one being Force of Will and one Mental Misstep? So I, I really like the deck, though. I thought it was super fun, and every time Andy, like, started to play spells, if he played a Dark Ritual or a Cabal Ritual, I knew something cool was about to happen. 
Yeah. I, I really like I really like how threat heavy it is with only eleven lands in it. Did you find Part yourself a... uh, longing for land, Andy? No, not at all. Um, it, it's it's really good with the land, surprisingly. You don't need all that much to kind of go off, and there's some artifact acceleration there as well. So, yeah, I think um, against the combo, against the control variants, I need to be leaning heavily on uh, Mind's Desire because uh, a ramped-up Mind's Desire is, is difficult to stop. Yeah. Well, that's fair enough. I mean, Mind's Desire is just such a beatdown if you do resolve it, though. Absolutely. So, uh, next up, we uh, we have the top ten classic cards, and, and all of us came up with some lists of, uh, just some composite lists of our top ten, and I think uh, mine especially was on the fly, I did mine in the car this morning, but I know Annie and George spent a bit more time on theirs, and uh, what we did was we came up with three top ten lists, and totally... You know, it, it's personal preference, what you think the top ten cards are in Classic. And I, I think uh, Andy and George decided that Fetch Lands and Dual Lands are going to count as one slot. And we, we all got our list together. And to be anticlimactic, I'll do mine first. And mine was... Uh, I read it number one, Force of Will. Number two, Bazaar of Baghdad. Number three, Mishra's Workshop. Um... I started with those because each one of those are really the pillars of their respective decks. I mean, yeah, Force of Will decks might be behind an Oath, it might be behind uh, a Gush Engine, but I think Force of Will is the driving factor in those decks, uh, even though it doesn't win the game by itself. Uh, number four and number five, I have two uh, ubiquitous tutors that are both restricted, and both would be, I would 4X on almost every deck that ran black, and those are Demonic and Vampiric Tutor. Number six, I had Soul Ring. Number seven, I had Tinker. Number eight was Strip Mine. And number nine was Wasteland. I think Strip Mine is a little bit, you know, I mean, it's just, it's better than Wasteland. That's the only reason I put it higher. As far as overall usage, obviously Wasteland's higher because there are more in the decks. And at number ten, I, I put the, uh, the card I thought was best for fighting most of these decks that are out right now, aside from the uber-linear strategies like Dredge, is uh, Nature's Claim, which is... An amazing one-drop disenchant that with a very negligible drawback that came out a couple of years ago. So we also had a scoring rating attached, and we'll make a composite list using that scoring rating and see the composite top ten. But let's go ahead and go to uh, Andy. What was your list there, bud? Yeah, well, I took a kind of similar view to you. Um, Force of Will is obviously the best uh, best card. It's, it's the only card really that can, can stop the complete brokenness of the format and break up those really abusive turn one plays. Next up, though, I, I've got a card which is, is maybe a little bit contentious as a choice. Um, I went for Brainstorm, and uh, it's not a card that you, you tend to think about being overly powerful compared with some of the real bombs of the format, but um, it is the gel that holds the blue decks together. It enables them to really kind of filter through their decks and find, find the answers that they need or find, find the, the solutions to, to the problems that are on the other side of the table. And... Uh, Coupled with the dual, uh, with the fetch lands and the ability to shuffle, it's the brainstorms that really make the blue decks. Um, as you say, whether it's the gush builds or the the oath of druids builds, makes them consistent, makes them gel, makes them come together, and makes them viable. So brainstorm for me um, sits at number two, and I guess that really sits down because um, of the way I like to play my games of Magic. 
Next up is the, the real estate, the jewel lands and the fetch lands, and the way they interact and sit together. Maybe a bit of a cheat to link them together and, and comp them as one pick, but George and I discussed this and felt it was better rather than having multiple jewel lands in the list. But really, the ability to be able to kind of generate the money that you need and to be able to run two or three colors without having any problem or taking any damage or side effect um, just really does help to put a real complete package together and the the brainstorms obviously complement really well. Next up, I wanted the real broken spells in the format, the ones that if you, you land, you, you're going to increase your possibility of winning the game. Tinker is an absolute house. Um, whichever target you go for isn't necessarily relevant, but the fact that you can um, get a Tinker out on turn one off of the back of um, a mana crept in an island and, and then really go to town, it makes it a really strong play. Next up, I've got the, the two pillars of the, the kind of linear strategies, the Bazaar of Baghdad and the Misha's Workshop. I did toy with the idea of putting uh, Lodestone Golem in that place because uh, I, I feel those two cards... Uh, are almost equal in their play level, but um, having both of them in the same deck really enhances each other. Uh, next up, I've got the Time Vault, um, and the ability just to kind of win the game there and then, on turn one even, um, with the Voltaic Key Time Vault combo, and there are strategies in Classic designed specifically to abuse that two-card combo and to get Time Vault out as quick as possible. Next up is, is Yagmoth's Will. Um, just think it's an absolute house for card, and it really is the engine that sits behind the, the Gush decks and the, the Storm combo decks. So, you know, the ability to replay all that broken cards uh, that you've played into the library and, and to kind of get that incremental advantage time after time um, really means that I wanted Yagmoth's Will on my list, and this is where I, I felt it kind of naturally sat. Ne- next up, I've got a card like Zach. Um, which isn't necessarily powerful in its own right, but it's powerful in the way that it interacts with top, top games in the format. So um, it's laid on in the void, and obviously it's one of the strongest plays and the strongest out there is to, to dredge. So I've got that there, and then everyone's favourite creature, well, not everyone's, but my favourite creature, Dark Confidant, uh, rounding out my top ten list. Um, so that's how I went with it, um, kind of control, um, the structure, the real broken cards, and then the answers and the utility. Um, I did have a list of 14 cards at the start, um, and the cards I cut were Lotus Petal, which um, I felt is a really strong card in the environment. I had Demonic Tutor on that list, I had Wasteland on that list, and I had Kasali Pride Mage on that list. And um, But but honing them down is, is the top ten. I will say that it's uh, it's really hard to sit down and and storm out the top ten list and, and think about the order. And uh, spent about 45 minutes to an hour just kind of thinking about it. It's a good exercise. And um, we'll hand over to George now for his list, which looks um, distinctly different, I guess. Um, one thing that's for certain is <clears throat> it is not hard to pick the uh, best card in the format, as I also have Force of Will. Um, for reasons that Andy and Zach said, uh I don't think anyone can really logically dispute that Force of Will is the best card in the format. It enables and stops uh, the format from being too disgusting. Uh, without without Force of Will, the self-correction in the format wouldn't exist, and it would be all turn one kills. Uh, up next, I have Wasteland. I think that Wasteland is the driving force behind both fish decks and workshop decks. 
Without Wasteland, I feel like a lot of the archetypes in the format would not be able to compete. Um, in third place, I've got Fetchlands and Duellands. And for the same reason, I have Wasteland in second place. Without these cards, the entire format wouldn't be able to compete. The decks would look decidedly different. Um, and then after, like, the basic building structures of the format, I've got, uh, number four is Solring, which is the, the best unrestricted mana guy that we have since, for some reason, we are refused our jewelry. Oh, it's restricted, buddy. So, uh, it's the, it's the best restricted XR. A lot of games lose, or a lot of games end the turn after Tinker resolves. Uh, number six is Quinsali Pride Mage, which I feel like uh, the fish archetypes in general would not really be able to compete with Oath of Druids and Workshops without this card. Um, the fact that it has Exalted is all the difference in the world. You get a 3-3 three, three for two that can at any point just blow up the uh, permanent that's going to win them the game. Takes out Time Vault, it takes out Oath, it takes out uh, Helmline, it takes out Workshop guys. He's pretty good. And he attacks into Jace, uh, the Mind Sculptor. Number seven, I have Dark Confidant, which, although he doesn't make a lot of uh, airtime and classic at the moment, he's still one of the best unrestricted card draws in the format. Um, the fact that he's a creature is good in to the next card, Oath of Druids, but the card advantage that he just shovels into your hand is almost overwhelming a lot of the time. Uh, number eight is Oath of Druids. Uh, at the end, I have um, the Pillars. These are the cards that are, yes, obviously they're powerful, but a lot of the other cards on the list um, either enable or shape the way that these last three are played. And we've got Oath of Druids, Bazaar of Baghdad, and Mitra's Workshop representing Blue Control, Dredge, and Prison. That's fair enough, and I want to make one point about your list there, George. Not counting 6 and 7, you have all the pieces of an Oath deck before Bazaar and Mishra. Uh, I feel like Oath of Druids is a more interactive deck and allows for better play skill, Bizarre uh, dredge decks and workshop decks are very linear. Well, we're talking about the ten most important classic cards, though. You're talking about all cards from one archetype compared to the cards from two of the other major archetypes. Quisali, um, I'll give you credit on. Quisali's part of one of the four major archetypes. And Wasteland also is the driving force behind workshop decks. Yeah. Waste, Waste wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. You will not keep a hand with Wasteland and no Workshop. That is no way. No, but a lot of Workshop matches would end differently if there were no Wasteland in the format. I, I guess. Okay. How many, how many times have they gotten, like, one or two Spheres out, and you're just about to take control of the game, and they Wasteland your land and you lose? Uh, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure a lot. It happens to me a lot, too. Yeah, yeah, what I'm saying is, I'm, I, it, to me, from the outside, it looks like your list has a little bit of bias for Oath in it. Because you love Oath, and you're not... Because the other two... If, if there was no other decks besides Oath, I would agree with you. If those were, like, fringe decks. 
But the reason I'm even saying anything is, I think those are the two most at least workshop. Maybe not bizarre, which which I rated bizarre. I think higher. But I think those two cards could arguably be the most important behind Force of Will. That's why I rated them there, because those enable entire archetypes. And if those didn't exist, those archetypes wouldn't exist. Whereas if you didn't have um, Soul Ring or Tinker, I think Oath, Oath would still exist. I think all the decks would still exist. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but Soul, Soul Ring and Tinker are not exclusive to Oath decks. They belong in any non-Dredge or Workshop deck. Wait. Um, Oath and with our with our uh, scoring structure, Oath of George, Bazaar, Baghdad, and Mishra's Workshop all get one point each. Oath of Druids, yeah, yeah, with you, uh, agreed. With with the so, scoring structure, you you get all those guys one points each, and I got Bazaar four and Mishra three. Well, I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna play uh, that question, you don't even have Oath of Druids on your list, and it is a driving force behind the metagame. Absolutely, but I have Force of Will, which I don't think Oath of Druids would exist as well as it does without Force of Will. Well, nothing in the environment would exist without Force of Will. It would be. It would be all tendrils decks all the time. Mm, maybe. Maybe maybe half workshops, half tendrils. Yeah, I mean workshop would definitely be there. But that's 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 a good way to segue into our our composite list. You want to go through that? Sure. So um, our point structure is: first place gets five points, second place gets four points, and then third, fourth, and fifth place all get three. Six and seven get two points, and then eight, nine, ten all get one point. And this is pertaining to our lists. Yeah, our three different lists. Um, so going down the composite list, we have Force of Will with 15 points. Um, not really a surprise to anyone, I would wager. And then coming in at second place with a two-way tie is Tinker and Bazaar of Baghdad, both with eight points. Um... Coming in with another two-way tie in third place is Fetchlands and Dual Lands and Mishra's Workshop. Fourth is another two-way tie with Wasteland and Solrang uh, at five. And then fifth place is Brainstorm. Sixth place, we have a three-way tie for Black cards, Demonic Tutor, Vampiric Tutor, and Dark Confidant. Um, seventh place is a two-way tie for Quasali Pride Mage and Time Vault. And then rounding out the eight is a five-way split of Oath of Druids, Yawgmoth's Will, Leyline of the Void, Nature's Claim, and Strickline. Pretty interesting. I mean, uh, like, when I said at the beginning what I said, when we were going over your list, and I was saying, wow, it looks like it's slanted toward Oath. In the end, it looks like it's pretty well evened out, with Mishra's dual lands being about about the same. I mean, let's be fair, that's, that's about right. Those... Yeah, I, aren't gonna play I think that the composite list is pretty close to being kind of accurate. It would obviously be better if we had like you know ten to a hundred people do this. I mean, the funny Probably. thing, the funny thing about the composite list is like <laughs> Andy made. I think Andy had like the sleeper choice here. I really like to pick a brainstorm, and by you putting it in second place, it put it where it looks like it belongs. So it's kind of cool the way that worked out. Yeah, so if if you want to to join us and play along with this, uh, post your composite lists. Uh, 
Uh, you can show your top ten lists in the comments below, and um, if we get enough people interested, uh, we'll compile them next week for a, a super community composite list and see how that looks. Yeah, that'd be really Sounds cool. Sounds good. So, uh, next up, Andy, you want to go over the card that George and I have been raving about? I, I will, and then I'll let you guys rave about it. Um, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's Laboratory Maniac, and uh, with my scientific training and background, uh, I'm being a bit of a mad scientist uh, in, in, in the day myself. Uh, Flavor-wise, it's like a, a very appealing card, and uh, it's a 2-2 creature. Um, it's blue, and it's a human wizard, and it's two colorless and one blue, and it's a rare. Uh, the body of a 2-2 for three mana is not that exciting, um, but what really puts this card into the, ooh, wow, that could be interesting category is, uh, is, the, is, the, is the game text, and it says, if you would draw us a card while your library has no cards in it, you win the game instead. So it's a really cool alternate, art, alternate, sorry, alternate win condition card, and we'll hand over to, uh, to George and Zach, who will... Um, <coughs> talk about how we can maybe abuse this in, in various formats. All right, so I would like to, to first just start off with saying I'm a little sad that this card's name is not Mad Scientist. <laughs> because that, I mean, I look at the art, I look at what the card's doing, and it screams Mad Scientist. La Laboratory Maniac's all right, but, man, look at this card. It is crazy. There's never been a card printed like this that does... There's never been another card printed like this. It doesn't matter that it's on a 2-2 body. People do not play enough removal in Classic. And what little removal they do play is answered by Mental Misstep. So this, I, I feel like this card is just so much potential. Um, the thing that I first thought of, and I think I was, I was talking to Zach and we both came up with it at the same time, was Hermit Druid can use this as an alternate win condition. And Dredge technically does not need to attack to win anymore. And then there's still a bunch of other things. You have, uh, I, I know there's one that you think is pretty sweet, Zach. Yeah. Um, and Danger Leno doesn't like that I'm talking about this, but I'm going to go ahead and freaking talk about it again because I'm all about the community and I love this card with uh, Demonic Consultation. As an instant, you name a card that's not in your freaking deck, and for one black mana, it takes your whole deck and exiles it from the game. Name Sarpedian Empires Volume 7 the first card in the list. It doesn't matter. This guy, with that card, is completely broken. Um, not only that, we've also been talking... That this card has two things going for it. Before, before I get into you know what the good combos could be, the coolest thing about this card, and George was kind of hinting at it, the closest card that I've seen like this is Battle of Wits, and it's just not as playable. It's five mana. You need a 200-plus card deck for it. It's a cool alt win, though. I mean, that was a card when, when there was old extended. I was playing that. It's, it's really fun. But this guy is is pretty nuts. I mean, three mana, two, two is uh, pretty hot. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah, so... This guy, you know, he's a 3-mana 2-2. Two, two. He's blue, and he pitches to force a will. And that is so valuable, don't get it twisted. I mean, that that's a card you could theoretically play four of because of that one little piece there. Um, yeah, I mean, the card has potential, and I think it would also work really well with the card we talked about last week, Andy, which was Snapcaster Mage. Somebody does misstep your consultation, which is restricted, you can get it back, you know? 
Um, another another interaction that I think could be saucy because it's one of my favorite cards is uh, what if we ran this as the only creature in an Oath of Druids deck, and we put we made a playset of Savor the Moments. That way, uh, if you can get your oath down and you can activate it, chances are you'll activate it, flip up the Maniac, because you have to, and if you have four copies of Savor the Moment in your deck, you might have one in your hand. You cast it, activate the Oath of Druids again, and then mill your entire deck and win during your draw step. Yeah, that is true. I mean, that's another way to look at it. Um, I like the fact that you you know you could run one of these guys and do that. The only thing that scares me a little bit, and the same thing would scare me with demonic consultation, is the removal. And I think in the format, you know, maybe it's great to have mental misstep, but you need the mental misstep right then. And the problem with mental misstep, at least for me, is I'm a little bit overzealous with it. I'll use it early in the game. I'll stop a brainstorm when they have the fetch out. I'll stop a you know obviously I'll stop a duress, uh, stop a soul ring, stop a mana crypt. Or, excuse me, a Mana Vault. Um, there are a lot of 1CC I feel like I feel like this deck would be built to win on, like, the second or third turn, though. So, you would... I feel like if you were playing this deck and it were built like that... Like, let's say we're building a Storm deck shell that has four Maniacs and then the Consultation in it. Mm-hmm. That, the, your Metal Missteps are going to stop a Swords of Plowshares or Lightning Bolt. Yeah. I feel like you would hold it in that instance. And if you're not playing with LEDs and tutors, you can run Force of Wills as well. Yeah, I mean, true enough. I, I like, like, like I'm saying, I love this guy. I think he's a great card. And uh, I think he's going to be totally play. I'm, I'm, for, for, for finally, I'm starting to, to get uh, excited about Innistrad as a set. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but before Snapcaster and before this guy, I was like, meh. I know George is excited because he's a excited. werewolf boy, but so Andy, what do you what do you think about the maniac? Have we changed your opinion, or do you still think he's kind of eh? Well, I, I just think that he's very vulnerable compared with other combos that just win. Um, I guess any combo can be disrupted, but just the idea of going all in. I mean, once you've committed to this, once you've got rid of your entire library. If something happens to that little 2-2 guy, there's no yeah, coming back. That, unless you've got two little 2-2 guys. Sure. <laughs> yeah, but uh, look, Andy, I, I understand your, your reservation, and it's almost like, hey, you know, I'm going to lose if this doesn't work. But think about it in a parallel context next to Storm. If you storm out and you don't win, do you think you're going to win that game? No, exactly. Not. It's the same exact principle. If you play Flash and they disrupt the Flash, are you going to win? Probably not. I think it's the exact same thing. It's just a more finite set of circumstances. Um, I don't know. I, I think it might be a tier 1.5 deck, though. I think it's going to be more like... What's a good tier 1.5 deck? Kind of like that, that gush... Painter. Yeah. No, no I, I'd call that gush deck 1.5, the one that Blue Diamond stood well with. Yeah, I would too. So I, I think I think you can make a deck in that vein. You know what I mean? It's, it, the reason I say that's one point five. You're not seeing that four zero like like Dredge has done before, like Shop did for a long time, like Oath did for a long time with several different iterations. I don't think it's going to be that level, but I, I think it could definitely be or, or like uh, Hermit Druid. 
Hermit Druid with uh, Scorpio or Illusions. Illusions, well, I'd almost say Illusions has been Tier 1. He's been put so many 4-0s up. Yeah, but, but we, have to, we have to look at that the same way we looked at Four Color Fish for a while. It's only one pilot doing it. And yeah. it's been like three. Yeah. All right. So fair enough. Um, so I didn't get to comment on Snapcaster Mage last week. I just want to add that I think Tiago Chan's card is amazing and right behind Bob Mowers. Oh, yeah. Um, I, dude, I, I think... <laughs> some people, are, Here, here's some people are saying that, you know, you have to pay the flashback costs and oh. you're not going to have a mountain of mana. But you know what? Flashbacking Snapcaster Mage and just getting Brainstorm when they play Duress or Thoughtseize is amazing. I would gladly pay three mana for that effect. Let me ask you this. Would you pay three mana for a 2-1 flash and draw three cards with Ancestral Recall? Uh, well, that's, that's vintage, and that makes him even super insane. He's nuts! But it's... uh in Classic, even, just like getting a Brainstorm, getting, getting an extra Vampiric Tutor, or... How about this? Laboratory Maniac. Demonic Consultation. Mental Misstep. Oh, Snapcaster Mage. Demonic Consultation. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I was, I was saying before. I mean, that, that's great in conjunction. The, the messed up part about that card is, though, and this is something I didn't say last week, they said in that interview that I linked you guys to, we finally found a card we thought was acceptable. How much broken <laughs> crap was this guy pitching to them if they thought this was the well, most acceptable card? If I'm not mistaken, I believe his original card was a land that you could discard to counterspell a spell. That would be... That, that's not fair. <laughs> I think that that was his original... Okay, um, I'm going to play a lone deck. Good game. Well, there was a mana cost as well, but still. Yeah, I'm going to play you a lone you deck. You can't respond <laughs> to the trigger. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think... These two cards, though, George, do you agree that that kind of, like, gives some eternal hope for this um, Like, I, I think I was telling you, we've seen 100 cards now, and there's only two playable cards in it. Usually, when we when I look at these sets, I personally see, like, 10 or 11 cards that could possibly see play. And so far, it's, it's these two cards and nothing, so... But the thing is, the difference is, the last couple sets, these cards could possibly see play, and they might see fringe play... These two cards could spawn entire new archetypes in our format, which is totally different. This is true, and we still have a lot of uh, flashback cards and other graveyard things to see. I expect that this block is going to do, uh, for classic, what, I don't know, what, what's a, what is a really important block for classic? Mirrodin. Mirrodin, you think? I think that uh, Shard's block is more important. For for classic, for classic, Quasali Pride Mage, Noble Hierarch, uh, Trinosphere, Crucible of Worlds, Mox. Uh, oh yeah, those Crucible of Worlds and Trinosphere. Well, at any rate, Innistrad block is going to be very good and uh, format warping for classic and vintage. I think. I I hope, man, that'd be awesome. Uh, it's always fun to see new stuff. So uh, before we leave, I'll let you guys know also uh, my current status on the Classic League. This week you'll notice I only have one matchup, and that's Round 5 versus uh, Excorpio in the Blue Illusions deck we were talking about before. Uh, I believe when we were talking about this the, the deck in, in context a couple weeks ago, I, I kept saying 
I never understood how this deck won, and the one thing that you got to do to beat the deck was to resolve Oath of Druids. I don't have any illusions of grandeur. I wasn't going to try to show and tell or channel my way to a victory. I knew I wanted to get an Oath Hand. And uh, granted, I got two pretty good hands, but you'll see my match here. I played against Excorpio, and I, uh, I won round five, and that got me into round six against Osric 250. And I, I had a buy, so I'm going to be in the top eight of the Season 2 Classic League, and hopefully I'll bring those videos next week. Uh, congrats on the top eight, buddy. Thanks, brother. You do realize that means your mugshot is now going to go up in uh, the Season 2 finale article. Uh-oh. <laughs> so uh, if, you, if you manage to win, Zach, do you know what you, get, do you, know what you win if you win the event? I do. I, if, I, if I win, I will be... George and all the listeners, you can call me the biggest hypocrite in the world. Andy, you you know what I'm about to say. I have Absolutely. decided that I will not I will not go buy any of these things. I will not be buying foil dual lands. I will not be buying foil foil force of wills. But any foils I get through trade or winning, I will keep and use. Oh, and he's back. It it only took like three and a half years, but. If you win first place, you get your choice from row one and your choice from row two. So you get the foil Yawgmoth's Will and the foil Bazaar of Baghdad. I think I'd take the four regs. You think you'd take the four Bazaars instead of the one foil? Because I need them. Okay. Well, that would make second place happy then. Well, I mean, it, it depends. Honestly, I'm going to look at it monetarily. I, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I don't necessarily say I'm going to win the whole thing. I, I would love to if I get all we're saying We're saying if. If I get all creature matchups, hell yeah, man. That's what that's what I want to do. I hope I hope I do, you know, but if I get really hardcore, you know, control matchup, it's going to be a lot harder. That the, the deck, you know, the, I played that deck with a, with a purpose in mind and that was to go against a fish heavy metagame, and that's kind of what um I got really lucky against two really good dredge players, uh, two clan mates back goods and the wild dog. And that's and, the difference. Uh, so, are you worried about seeing goblins in the top 8? I I love you, the Magic Man 22, but I want to play you so bad. Let's do it. You are my preferred partner in the top eight, good sir. So is there any dredge in the top eight? I don't know. Uh, I don't believe that the standings are posted yet. Yeah, the standings okay. won't be posted. We do know that um, goblins... Green, White, Hate, and Oath of Druids, or Shoth of Druids, are all in the top eight. No, uh, it's not Green, White, Hate, actually. It is Black, White, Green, Junk. Oh, Osric is playing Junk. Yeah, he's, he's, he's actually playing some cards that are pretty good against me, like Diabolic Edict and Caracas, and, um, yeah, I mean, he has some cards that definitely could hurt me. Oh, yeah, Junk is definitely better than Green, White, Hate. That's interesting, uh... Not that I hope he beats you, but I hope he does well so that other people might pick up junk. That would be fun to watch. The only problem with his deck is he's running things like Birds of Paradise, and that's like, oh, you're going to turn my deck on for free? Cool. Yeah, against Oath of Druids, that is pretty rough, but uh, as the four-color fish master has proven, Birds of Paradise are pretty good against workshops. Yep. So definitely Absolutely. cool, guys. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be a fun tournament, and I'm excited about it. Cool, cool. Well, that rounds us out for this week. Um, if you've got any feedback, leave it below, and as long as it doesn't involve bullet points, we'll take you seriously and try our best to incorporate it next time out. 
Um, we'd like to thank PureMTGO.com for hosting us and MTGOTraders.com for sponsoring us. And uh, unless you guys have got any more, I'll see you in seven. See you guys. Have a good one, guys. Late.